know, we never get tired of hearing the gospel, sharing the gospel. You know, God loves sinners. Isn't that amazing? We've all sinned, come short of what God planned for our life. And that sin requires a payment of death. It's amazing, isn't it? And so how do we ever get clean? The Bible says, how can a, how can a man cleanse his ways? Job said, even if I were to wash myself in fuller soap. I don't even know what fuller soap is, but it must be something special. Uh, he said, I could never make myself clean. But the good news, the gospel is that Jesus paid for our sin. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's good news, isn't it? That's what the word gospel means, by the way, good news. And no matter what you've done, no matter how you've failed, no matter how you've sinned, God could look at you right now and say, I want to forgive all your sins. I've already paid the full price, and I am waiting for you to just receive the gift, accept me. That's the good news. I love to tell it. Uh, we never get tired of hearing things that we really love to hear, do we? My wife has told me that she loved me over 22,000 times, probably much more than that. That was just if she just told me once a day for all the years we've been married, it would be like 21,400 times but I think she's probably told me that more than once a day, wouldn't you think? So maybe 40,000 times. And she might say, well, you know, I've told you 40,000 times that I love you, so that ought to be enough. And I would say, oh, no, 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 no. I need to hear it again. I need to hear it again. And so I never get tired of telling her, never get tired of hearing her say to me, I love you. And I never get tired of hearing God say, I love you. I love you so much that I sent my son to die in your place. That is good news. Well, we're going to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 today. I'm going to try something amazing. I don't know. I'm not making any promises. I'm going to try to cover a whole chapter in one sermon. Okay. So, uh, did you bring your lunch? No, I'm just joking. We won't be here that long. But uh, it is a wonderful chapter. Let me tell you, the Thessalonian church, Paul founded that church, and he was only there a few weeks, maybe a, maybe a month, month and a half, and uh, he shared that good news with the people in Thessalonica, and many of them believed. And they started a little tiny church, a little uh, church group, probably no bigger than what we've got here today. And... Uh, and Paul taught them the gospel, and he also taught them that this same Jesus who came and died for them and then ascended back to heaven, that this same Jesus is going to come back again and receive them to himself. And uh, that excited them. Somehow or another, they got kind of focused in on the, on the return of Jesus. And I know a lot of people that over the years, that has become kind of a the major focus of their thinking. In fact, I get, I get emails every week from people saying, do you think Jesus is about to come back? Do you think the rapture is about to take place? Don't you think that all the signs and all the things that are happening are kind of getting us ready for the return of Jesus? To which I say, it looks that way to me. It would not surprise me at all 
for Jesus to come again today. I would be very happy for him to come. And the Bible talks about, in a sense, two comings of Jesus. One is when he comes in the air and he catches his church away to be with him. And it's a secret coming. It's, uh, no, nobody on earth really knows about it except the ones that are caught away. We looked at that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But then there is the, the final coming seven years later where Jesus comes back in majesty and power and he judges the whole earth and those who have uh, rejected him and that'd be the vast majority of people will be punished. And he tells about that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. That's what we're going to look at today. So let's, uh, let's just read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read the chapter and Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul, this way, starts his letters telling who he is and who he's writing to. And then he always has a little blessing, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as it is right. Because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. That's a good thing, isn't it? And by the way, we just take a little, uh, little uh, aside here and let you know that uh, the Thessalonian church, that little small group, let's just say it's a group about our size, they were facing intense persecution. They were being persecuted by the Greeks because they had rejected all the pantheon of pagan gods and goddesses. They said, we no longer will bow down and offer sacrifices at the temple of Zeus or Athena or any of these pagan gods, because now we believe Jesus is the true God that we worship. He is Lord. And so the Greeks hated them because of that and persecuted them. The Jews hated them because they were saying that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And the Jews, unbelieving Jews, were still waiting for the Messiah to come. And uh, even some uh, professing Christians were opposing them because they were Greeks rather <clears throat> than, than Jews. And by the way, somebody had written a letter to them and signed it, the Apostle Paul. And it was a forgery. It was a lie. It was, a, it was not a letter from Paul. And in that letter, they said, the day of the Lord has already come. And, uh, and that uh, the, the kingdom is here now. And, and Paul had to write to them and say, I didn't, I didn't write that letter. Have you ever had your Facebook hacked? Have you? Yeah, I had mine hacked one day. In fact, Stephanie, I believe you, I'm just going, just living my life, and I get a text from Stephanie, said, uh, I think your Facebook's been hacked. And I looked, and sure enough, it had. And so I had to send something out and said, whoever got that, I didn't send it. And uh, that's so irritating, isn't it? You ever had that happen to you? Am I the only one? Huh? You have had it happen, or I'm the only one? No? Well, I hope you never have it happen. But that's what happened to Paul. Somebody hacked his Facebook and uh, sent out a letter. And, uh, of course, he didn't have Facebook. 
but somebody had sent a letter to the Thessalonians claiming that Paul was telling them stuff that he wasn't telling them. So that's the reason that he writes this letter. They were under intense persecution. They were being uh, made fun of. Some of them had lost their jobs. They were being uh, uh, ridiculed, and some of them were being arrested. Some of them were being beaten, and it was a terrible time. So Paul writes this second letter to... uh, uh, to correct some of those things, and also to encourage them. You ever need encouragement? Man, these last five months, I've needed some encouragement, hadn't you? I've needed somebody to kind of give me a little word of positivity. There's been enough negativity. And so this letter ought to encourage us. So Paul writes to them, to encourage them. Let me see, where did I stop reading? Uh, uh, With verse 3, he says, Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also are suffering. Jesus had taught, and Paul had taught, and Peter had taught, that everybody who would live a godly life, a Christian life, really honoring Jesus, would face some opposition and even some persecution. Now that really has not happened yet to us here in America. Not that I know of anyway. There are some there 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 are a lot of people today who really don't like Christians. There are a lot of people who if they actually had the authority, if they had the position, if they had the power, they would try to outlaw church services. They would try to do away with the Bible if they could. Now I think we're a long way from that. I hope we are anyway. But Jesus said all who would live a godly life and put Jesus first in their life will face opposition and persecution. So Paul is saying to these Thessalonians, the fact that you're being persecuted is just evidence of what God has already said. And it is an evidence that you are truly a Christian. You are worthy of such affliction. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Basically he's saying, I know they're they're giving it to you now, but God's going to give it to them later. And he's going to explain when that later is. It may not be this month. It may not be this year. But ultimately they will. And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now he's talking here about the final coming, the ultimate return of Jesus to this earth. He will come in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God 
and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Now that doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? But if you're writing to Christians saying, this is not for you, this is for those that are persecuting you, then it is encouraging. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because your testimony, our testimony to you was believed. You believe what we said. To this end, we always pray for you. Now remember, these people are being persecuted. They're 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 they appreciate the fact Paul is saying, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I at least read through a whole chapter. It's pretty amazing. Isn't that a great chapter? Now, just think, if, if we were the Thessalonians, and if we had been facing severe persecution, and there had been some people both in the government and in the religious structures of our society who were making it very hard on us, and let's say that suppose they had actually come in and arrested some of our people. And we got word that they were being beaten and they fired all of us from our jobs and they were making it difficult on us simply because we were acknowledging Jesus as Lord of our life. And we might be beginning to wonder, does it really pay to be a Christian? I mean, I know when Paul told us the gospel... And he told about our sins all being forgiven. He told us about how that someday we'd go to heaven and be with Jesus. And and I remember him mentioning something about every man who who will come after Jesus must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Jesus. But I didn't really expect it to be this bad. And Paul then writes him a letter. And he starts off just thanking God for him, but he says, I want to give you three kinds of encouragement. I want to give you the encouragement of praise. I want to tell you how proud I am of you. I want to just praise God for you, and I want to say to you that what I hear is that your faith is growing. By the way, how does faith grow? How does your faith grow? It usually does not grow quickly when everything is going great you know people say lord i want patience i want you to make me a more patient person and then right away we start having problems and pressures in our life and we say god what are you doing he said well i thought you wanted patience you know what the word the greek word for patience, and Dolly probably knows this because she studied at the seminary, but the Greek word for patience 
is the word hupomeno. And hupo is the word that means under. And meno is the word that means to stay, to remain. So the word for patience means that you remain under the weight. You stay under the weight. That's patience, true patience. But if there is no weight, you can't be patient because there's nothing to stay under. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so he says, your faith is growing. Your love is abounding. This is all in verse 3. And then in verse 4, your patience or your your, your steadfastness is increasing. And the testimony that we're giving to all the churches about what's going on with you is actually encouraging other people. I love to read Christian biographies. And I especially love to read missionary biographies. Adoniram Judson, Hudson Taylor, people like that. And here's what I learn in all of the great Christians in history that lives have been written about them. All of them suffered greatly. All of them paid a price for their Christian life. And I don't remember ever reading a biography of some man who became a Christian and suddenly he inherited a million dollars and everybody gave him new cars and and he never got sick, and he just, and, and everybody loved him and everything. I don't remember ever reading a story like that. But I've read literally hundreds of stories of Christians who paid the price for their Christian life. So Paul says, I want to encourage you by giving you words of praise. By the way, it's good for us to praise other Christians. And I know we praise God mainly, but, and Paul starts off, said, I, I thank God for you, but then he, he praises them. It's good for us to praise other people. Uh, sometimes people don't feel like they're accomplishing very much in their Christian life, and it helps them to get a word of encouragement. Say to all you parents, uh, praise your kids more than you scold your kids. There are times they need to be corrected, that's for sure. But I think they always need to be praised. And uh, just uh, actually, your students at school, don't they function better if there's a, a sense of you're proud of them, you're doing a good job? Fathers, let your kids know you're proud of them. I couldn't tell you the number of delinquents, juvenile delinquents that I've talked to over the years that said my dad never told me that he loved me. He never told me that he was proud of me. And so we need to be praised. We need to praise others. So in your family, give words of praise. And that's what Paul did here. And he said to these Christians, he said, I know you're going through a hard time. I know things are really rough. I know there's a lot of pressure on you, but I also know this. Your faith is growing. Your love for one another is just abounding. 
Your patience is growing. And I also want you to know this. When I tell other people about you and how you're handling this persecution, they are encouraged. So hang in there and keep on keeping on. So he gives them this encouragement of praise. And then he gives them an encouragement of promise in verses 5 through 10. He says basically this, and I'm just going to summarize it. But, but uh, he says, you will get a reward. Your suffering is temporary, but your reward is eternal. You know, sometimes as Christians, we forget to take the long look. We forget to, to, to realize that what we're going through right now is preparation for a blessing that we're going to receive later. I know when I was in college, I, I ran cross country. I don't mean I ran across the country, but I ran cross country. And uh, uh, our coach would work us so hard, and he would make us run 12, 15 miles a day. And, and we would have to run faster than we wanted to run and longer than we wanted to run. And we would sometimes say, Coach Rose, I just don't think I'm going to survive. He says, you'll survive. You'll survive. And so, and we, we did. We all survived. Well, there were two or three that dropped off the team. They, they, they said, I, I can't take it. And, but he kept saying every time we'd come in from practice and we'd just all just about to drop, he would show us a picture of a great big trophy he'd say you want to know why i'm killing you like this he'd say yes sir we'd sure like to know and he held up this picture of this big trophy he said because this is what you're gonna get when the season's over when we run the state cross-country meet you're gonna win the state meet and we're gonna bring home this trophy and all of a sudden we'd feel a little better we'd feel like well maybe maybe it was worth not being able to breathe today maybe it was worth our legs turning into rubber today maybe it was worth that stitch in my side <clears throat> and the next day he'd run us again but every time he'd always show us that picture that big trophy say this is what we were doing this for the state meet came, and we ran in the state meet against like seven other, eight other schools, and we came home with that trophy. And having that big old trophy sitting right in the middle of the van as we were coming back, not a one of us remembered those days that we couldn't breathe. Not a one of us remembered those days that our legs turned to rubber. We all just rejoiced in the trophy and Paul is saying look I know it's hard right now but you have a reward coming be willing to suffer now because you have a a, a wonderful reward coming and I can think over the years as a Christian there have been times 
that it has not been fun to be a Christian. I don't mean that I lacked my joy, but it wasn't fun. It was costly, especially back in the 60s and 70s when I was pastoring churches in Mississippi and Tennessee, and there was so much racial hatred and racial divide, and I was preaching the gospel, preaching the truth that God loves all people the same and so forth, and we had some people who did not like that message, and they didn't like that messenger. But I said, I'm speaking it because it's the truth. It's the truth. And uh, it was not always fun, but it was right. And I knew that I was being faithful to God in preaching the truth. And there is a reward. Jesus says there will come a day when we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I live for that. I long for that. And whatever we experience here will be more than worth. I mean, it will be far less than worth what we will hear when we enter and see him face to face. And he says, well done. So he says, you will receive a reward. And he says, those who have afflicted you, I will afflict. He says, there will be recompense on them. You will be granted relief, verse 7. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God. When you think about God, and you, th- you hear the words, God is love. That's a good word, isn't it? God is love, and God is loving. Let me tell you, God is also just, and God is also true to exact vengeance on those who hate him and hate his people. My mother-in-law, who passed away a year and a half ago, she loved her grandkids and her daughter. But when she saw a snake who could possibly pose a threat to her daughter or her grandkids. She took vengeance on that snake. It's almost legendary in our family. Whenever we see somebody just going berserk on killing something, everybody says, that's Mama Ruby and the snake. And I tell you, I've seen her take her, when she walked with a walking cane and a snake came slithering across her driveway, that snake didn't have a chance. Man, she beat that thing until there wasn't anything left of it. Just kind of a little puddle there, a little snake juice here and there. She killed that snake. You say, my goodness, why is she overreacting like that? Well, because that snake posed a threat to those she loved. And I want to tell you, 
God, there is no more loving being in the universe than God. But to those who hate him and to those who hate those he loves, the Bible says he will come in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. One of the most common questions I get from people who are not believers is about hell. And they say, I just don't believe in hell. And I like to say when they say that, well, you know, I don't believe in Las Vegas. And they'll look at me kind of funny when I say that. I said, I've never seen Las Vegas. I've never been there. So maybe it doesn't really exist. They said, well, yeah, it exists. Sure, it exists. I said, well, how do you know it exists? Have you been there? No, I hadn't been there, but people that I trust have told me that it's there. I said, well, people that I trust have told me that hell is real too. And I'll tell you, for people who defame God, for people who not just ignore him, but they oppose him, there is a place, an eternal place, where they will spend eternity separated from the presence of the Lord. And it's not popular, but it is true. And there was a time when people were terrified of going to hell. I can remember back in the 50s and 60s, that was the main message you heard preachers preach was if you don't repent, you'll go to hell. And a lot of people repented because they were afraid of hell. And then gradually as we got more, quote, civilized, folks began to say, well, I don't like that hellfire preaching, you know. Well, friends, you know, I don't really like it either. But it is the truth. There is a real place called heaven and there is a real place called hell and those who put their trust in Jesus and are born again go to heaven and those who do not they go to hell can I get an amen amen it's the truth and people say well I don't like it it doesn't make me feel good well Maybe it's designed to make you feel bad. Bad enough to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus. So there was the encouragement of praise. There was the encouragement of promise. And then there's the encouragement of prayer. He prays for them in verses 11 and 12. He said, we always pray for you to this end, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. By the way, this means that I'm praying that, that God will, will make you realize your value to him, make you worthy of his calling. But it also means that God will help you do by his power every resolve 
that you have in your heart to obey and to follow him. And then he says, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he prays for their worthiness, for their Christian walk, and for their Christian witness. So it's a great word of encouragement. I actually needed this chapter this week. I needed to, to, to hear God say, uh, uh, in essence, hang in there. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. God is proud of you. God loves you. God is for you. God is with you. And your witness will be enhanced by the things that you experience that are not pleasant. Any word? Any question? Isn't this a good word? Did you need this word today? Yeah? Okay. I did too. And uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this word of encouragement to a church that was facing really greater challenges than we're facing. And yet, if that word could encourage them, how much more it should encourage us. And I pray that as we think about your, your praise of us, that our faith is growing, that our love is increasing, that, that our patience is increasing, and that our testimony is helping others. And when we think about the promise that you've given to us, that whatever we experience, no matter how bad it may be, that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared to that which you've prepared for those who love you. And then I pray that you'll help us as we read this awful, awful statement about your judgment that it will motivate us to witness to others and tell them about Jesus. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.